Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you willing? Hey gents. Welcome to another episode of Apex Masculinity, a high-performance men's coaching outfit designed to help you show up strong in every area of life. Raising the bar in fatherhood, marriage, finance, business, health, and all things manly. Gentlemen, let's begin. Hey, gents, welcome back to Apex Masculinity. You're in the right place. I'm your host, Nick Chantos. Guys, today with me is my guest, Warner Nazon. Uh, he's a quality assurance engineer for a consumer electronics company, happily married to the woman of his dreams for five years. He's a father of one with one on the way. He's also a published author, and his book is actually the topic that we're going to discuss today. And he's also starting his uh, counseling work with other men uh, that kind of went through the same situation that he went through. And I'm going to let him get into all that. But um, Warner, glad to have you on. Thanks for being here, bro. Thanks for having me, Nick. Yeah. Okay. So let's just dive right in, man. So, um, you know, you and I know the details of what we're getting ready to discuss. I'm really excited for this episode. There's not enough content out there that talks about this, but if you could, man, like, start at the beginning, you know, go over some of that stuff that we talked about on our warm-up chat about an hour and a half ago about from your childhood and all that stuff, some things you dealt with and, you know, bullying and things that you dealt with even, even at the house with your parents and stuff and how that led into what you got involved in. And then we'll just take off from there. All right. Sure. Yeah. So um, I, I was raised uh, in a traditional home, two parents, you know, two loving parents. Uh, I have a brother and a sister and um, basically, I was born with a, uh, a lazy eye, cross eye, in my left eye. And this really caused a lot of insecurity for me uh, growing up. You know, I used to get made fun of a lot at school. Um, I can remember one scenario when I was in uh, daycare, and uh, someone was laughing at me. And, um, you know, I got really, really upset with them. And, uh, yeah, just uh, growing up in elementary school, you know, this is just uh, several times where I was just bullied and made fun of. Um, and I, I, I even, uh, you know, from loved ones, uh, my mother, you know, she sometimes there's some things she would say that would uh, be very hurtful. You know, like I believe one time she called me a uh, Cyclops and she would always remind me, you know, oh, you only have one good eye, one good eye, you know. And I'm sure it was from a loving place, you know, love my mother, you know, great woman, you know. But, you know, it, it, very, it really hurt a lot, you know, caused a lot of uh, emotional abuse, you know. Uh, a lot of a lot of scars, a lot of pain in my heart, right. and uh, pretty much I just uh, I I took that with me growing up. You know, it, it caused a lot of insecurity, which caused me to pretty much isolate myself. You know, and it caused me to isolate myself, and um, in that period of isolation, that's uh, when I started to get curious and I started to get into watching pornography. Okay. You know, um, my parents they had a Directv satellite dish uh, service. And on those channels, you know, at, at certain times, um, I believe it was a Cinemax and Mormax. That's when they used to give like softcore porn, pornogra- pornographic videos. And, you know, I used to watch a lot of those. And my, curios- my curiosity started to grow because I wanted to, you know, watch more and more. And uh, that's when uh, I started watching videos, you know, on, on the home computer, you know. And um, I know I got a laptop uh, down the line and I started to watch uh, porn on that. And that's when this really started to grow into an addiction. And, uh, you know, I, I got addicted, uh, I believe it was at like the age of 18 or 19. Um, and I was in that for about five years, 
you know, and this was something that was uh, very bad. You know, I used to watch several times a day. Like I would, I would wake up. First thing I would do is watch porn. You know, in the middle of the day, I would watch porn. I remember, I can even remember one time in a, one of my college classes. You know, I was looking at porn on my phone while I was in class. You know, so this thing was just, it was just so bad. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. It was bad. Yeah. Okay. So started off kind of as a coping mechanism, maybe to kind of just deal with the fact that there was some traumatic scarring from childhood bullying. Um, you know, you started isolating yourself because of that, the thing with your eye that you were talking about kind of gave you a complex a little bit, gave you some insecurities. Did you feel like the porn and, you know, maybe the feel good part of porn or the dopamine release aspect to porn kind of satiated or took away almost like as an escape kind of some of that internal pain that you were dealing with from some of the stuff from your childhood? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, porn was definitely an escape for me. You know, it was somewhere where it was something where I had like, uh, I felt like I had a sense of control, you know, where I could just go to and uh, just escape from all, all the, the realities of the, the situation that I was in, you know, the insecurities, you know, and uh, everything of that nature. And I felt like I would, I could just go there, you know, get a release, feel better, you know, for that, that quick 30 seconds. And then, you know, right back to it. So, right. So I know you were, we were talking earlier and you said you, you grew, you grew up Catholic. I don't think you're Catholic anymore if I understood the conversation, right. But you grew up Catholic. So you have this sense of biblical religious morality that's in you just from growing up religious. At what point during the the buildup to the addiction when you were like an adolescent teen through your teenage years into the addiction into your later teenage years before you actually beat this thing at what point during that time frame would you say that not the healthy conviction but like the shame and the regret and the condemnation part really started like affecting you yeah so basically uh it was it was uh basically 13, 14, you know, I understood like the, uh, the idea of God, I understood the idea of Jesus and how he, uh, you know, he died on the cross for our sins at that time, you know, because, you know, Catholic Catholicism, you know, they, they, they focus on that. They focus on the death, the resurrection. They also talk about like how, you know, reconciliation, you got to go to a priest to, you know, ask for forgiveness and things of that nature. And I knew what I was doing was wrong, you know? So like literally every time after I would be done like, you know, with, with the act, you know, I would, uh, I would ask God for forgiveness, you know, right. I would pray, pray the Our Father every night before I went to bed, you know, so I was, I was pretty much, you know, aware of what I was doing, but it, it would, it would be around adolescent time around like maybe 13, 14, 15, like, sure. you know, where, where I felt that shame, that guilt. Yeah. Would you say that that shame and that guilt kind of just fueled the fire to like want to escape and check out again? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I can't beat this thing. Um, I'm powerless. And then all the negative self-talk, like, you, you know, like for me, like at that age, you know, I discovered porn at the same age and it's like, man, like I'm a, like, I'm a, like, I have no, I have no control over my flesh. I have no control over my impulses. You know, I feel like a slave, like, man, I can't believe I watched this stuff. Like I'm not a good person, you know, and all this negative self-talk. And then we kind of put ourselves in a defeated place and it's like the only thing that'll take us out of that defeated place is back to that dopamine release of escaping and watching porn again. And it turns into like this cyclical trap that you get stuck in, you know? 
Would you yeah. Like? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, uh, of course. You know, like um, after a couple, couple, couple of times of watching, you know, it's like that shame just just gets on you, and um, mm. you, you start to you start to feel like less less of of less of a person, pretty much. Yeah. It's like that low self esteem. Because, mm. mind you, I already had low self esteem because of uh, everything that I was dealing with with uh, my eye and everything. You know, so it, it just those feelings just set in that shame. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, I mean, obviously we're going to dive into the book, man. And I just, um, I don't want to give away too much, you know, cause I mean, like it, it, it's a gem, it's a treasure to come across a piece of literature like this, that someone will be very transparent, vulnerable, walk people through like the deep, the deep dive and the deep journey into how murky and, um, uh, personal something going through something like that is, but I did want to, I wrote down some bullet points that um, I wanted to go over just to kind of maybe unpack a couple chapters and you don't have to like go into a lot of great detail, but before we go into that, I thought it would be good, man. Cause I read um, in some of that information you sent me the uh, about the history and the severity of porn. Like I was just looking up statistics right now, just to kind of familiarize myself where we're at. Cause I remember when I was a kid, like, we didn't have devices, bro. I'm 43. So there were no cell phones. There were no computers in the home. Like it wasn't until like seventh grade, they started having those huge computers, like in computer, in computer class. And the computer was like the size of a Volkswagen bug. You know what I mean? And we had to share them because they were so expensive, but you know, porn back then, bro, was like, being in the ditch after school and finding something rolled up like that somebody tucked into a coffee can and you know it was really hard to access and hard to get but like now bro like this statistic said that I just read was like 200,000 Americans and I think it's more you know but 40 million Americans have been exposed or have watched or exposed themselves to pornography 200,000 Americans which I think is more are currently addicted to porn um, 28,000 American people are simultaneously watching pornography at the same time on any given moment. Two out of three HR personnel people that were interviewed said that there is a high percentage of pornography on employee given devices. So like if you work somewhere where you have a laptop or a tablet or a computer or some kind of device or a phone that your company gives you, like HR has access to that stuff, like as a, as a protectant, as a fail safe. <clears throat> and it was like two out of three devices had porn in the history of the device. Um, the two other things that were kind of just like broke my heart, bro, was the amount of the direction of violence that porn is taking. Like it's not just romantic interactions or even heated, inflamed, lustful interactions, like porn is taking on this very violent undertone to it these days, where women are not only being objectified, but they're being abused. You know what I mean? And what the, what the um, statistics said was that the direction that porn is taking with the violence is actually the main cause of the uptick in human trafficking and sex trafficking that's taking place in the world today. And I think it's a sad thing when porn companies, bro, um, are, are, are propagating that garbage, knowing that even though it's all theatrical, so to speak, on the videos, 
it's actually creating in real time an uptick in, in violence, human trafficking, and sex trafficking amongst real people. And the other statistic that kind of broke my heart was that there is a huge percentage of women, because we know porn is mostly a man thing, and it kind of always has been, but that's changing, bro. And like women, young girls even, are watching porn just so they can learn how to meet the expectations of the boys that they plan on having sex with. So now, because they're watching this violent porn or this very demoralizing, objectifying porn, they think that they have to submit themselves to that kind of abuse. I'm going to call it that because that's not romance. That's not God's design for sex. That's, that's demoralizing abuse. And, and, and now they're expecting and prepared for that. Like when it happens, it's okay because that's what they saw on the porn, you know? Yeah, it's 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 uh it's very sad, you know. the The porn industry is actually an industry that is worth ninety seven billion dollars, uh, you know, and twelve million of uh, twelve billion of uh, that ninety seven billion is uh, contributed by the United States. You know, this is an industry, you know, that's been around for a long time. You know what I'm saying? The first porn pornographic film was released back all the way in 1969. You know, okay. so this isn't this isn't something that's that's new. This is something that's been around and it's something that's continuing to continue to grow, sadly. You know, um, it's it's very, very uh, sad what's going on, you know, and with all the sex trafficking and, and the fact that the porn is basically, you know, fueling that 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 behavior. You know, it's it's very, very sad. And it's, that's why it's uh, very important that, uh, you know, not people not uh, as myself, not only me, though, but other people, you know, who have who God has delivered from uh, porn addiction, that they also rise up and uh, stand up and use what God has given them, their stories, you know, the yeah. testimonies. You know, I believe it says in Revelation 12, verse 11, you know, that we over, overcome the devil by uh, the, the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. Our yeah. testimonies are so important that it's important that we use what God has done in our lives to help break other people free, yeah. you know, so that we can decrease these statistics and really fight this thing. Right, right. Yeah. That another statistic I read in there was that 16 states have actually called it, have called it and labeled it a state health crisis. Mm -hmm. And that's crazy. That's crazy that it's affecting mental health and physical health to the point where states are like actually calling it a crisis, you know? Yeah, I believe one of those states is Utah. Utah, right. um, they, they, declared, they declared it a, a public health crisis. You know, the point point addiction is uh is it's something that's uh, very prevalent, something that's uh, going on. And the, the the crazy part about it is like, you know, I know you can you can you can go outside and you can um you know when you walk through the neighborhoods and things of that nature, you can you can see you know you can kind of see like okay, who's who's uh, addicted to drugs, things of that nature. But when right. it comes to a porn addict, you never know. It could be you it could be the local bus driver, it could be the teacher, it could be the doctor, you know, things of that nature. You know, that's why it's important that uh, we come forward and uh, help decrease these statistics and fight this thing. Yeah, no, and I appreciate you being willing to share your story and stuff like that, man, because it does give people a connection point, like somebody willing to come on and say, man, this is the road I walked as um, ugly, so quote unquote, ugly and as painful and um, really transparent and personal as this story is, because we're worried about people judging us. You know what I mean? Like, there's even been times in my life where um, I was apprehensive about sharing with people that I, I had an eight year meth addiction where I put needles in my arm or, you know, that I've been to prison twice or whatever, because we're always worried about the judgment of other people. But I think 
I think there's more hurting people that need to hear about the victory of success so that they can be encouraged and empowered to know that, you know, if that guy got through it and is on this side of it, you know, then there's hope for me too, you know? Um, yeah, man. So, I mean, I guess, so we can just jump back to, all right, so you're 18 and you're realizing this is kind of a full-blown addiction here. Here we are, Werner's stuck in this. He's tired of this. It's like affecting his life in, in a multiplicity of ways. And, but he can't get free. So take us to there and walk us forward from that point. Yeah, so basically, so yeah, so I'm 18 years old. You know, I'm, I'm literally watching, I'm, I'm looking at porn, you know, because I, I, I didn't only watch videos, but there was also something called hentai pornography, you know, which is uh, basically like Japanese uh, pornography. Like there's like animated pornography. Like I was, I was looking at that, you know, because I was really into anime. And uh, the thing that a lot of people don't really talk about, about anime is the fact that it's very provocative. You know, mm -hmm. there's some shows that are very provocative where they would, you know, show like the, the penny shots of the woman or like sure. the breast, like jiggling, things of that mm -hmm. nature. And really what that did was that encouraged me to go to want to see more, you know, mm -hmm. that encouraged me to want to see more. So what I used to do is I used to, you know, go on the websites early in the morning, uh, you know, look at this thing and uh, see what's going on. So from the age of 18, you know, on to the age of 23, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching, I'm looking, I'm, I'm searching, you know morning, noon, night, you know, and I'm also, I'm also uh, masturbating too, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And uh, really like on the la on the latter end of that, that fourth and fifth year, that's, that's when I just realized like, man, this is, this, this gotta, it's gotta stop. You know, it's, it's, it's gotta end. This is uh, getting out of hand, you know? So I, um, I start, I start, this is uh, around 2014, around that year. Uh, that's when I started to, uh, that's when I date my wife, you know, uh, the woman who would then be my wife and um around summer 2014 you know things are getting a little serious you know i'm starting starting to talk to her i'm, I'm really I'm really feeling her you know i fell in love with her pretty 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 early on and um i'm just talking to her and i don't know i just felt i just felt very secure around her in in which where i could share my truth with her you know so that's why i tell her you know a little bit about um what i do what what, what i've been struggling with uh mas masturbation and um, she didn't judge me at all. You know, uh, the thing about the grace of God is uh, even when, even when um, God sees you at your lowest point, he won't judge you. He won't beat you down. You know, right. he'll accept you with open arms. You know, she didn't judge me at all, at all, you know, and I, which I expected her because, you know, when you, you, you're dating a woman and you tell them, okay, you know, I'm watching porn, I'm masturbating. You would, the, the initial reaction that you would expect is uh, for them to want to stop the relationship and not want, not want anything to do with you, you know, yeah. but, you know, she accepted me with open arms and, you know, she pretty much told me, you know, just try to stop and uh, things of that nature. So I, and uh, a little bit after I start to go to her church, which is uh, Hope International because her brother is actually a, a pastor. So I start to go to her church, Hope International Ministries, and uh, man, like, um, I, 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 the first, the first time I step in there, you know, I just felt like an atmosphere of like a family, a family atmosphere, like a, like I'm gonna be a part of a family, you know. It was just uh, so, so welcoming, you know, the presence of God heavy in that place. And a couple months later, after that, um, I decided to give my life to the Lord. You know, I get baptized in uh, September of 2014. And um, 
after that, you know, the, my, my, I start to get more convicted of my sin, which is, which was a porn addiction. And every time that I would succumb and fall into porn and watch again, I would just start to feel this feeling of conviction. You know, my heart started, God started to do something in my heart where I started to see porn as wrong, you know, because back then, you know, I didn't really see, I didn't really see porn as wrong, like back then, but now I start to see it as wrong. And I start to understand, like, you know, that this is something that, you know, I'm not supposed to do, that God has higher expectations for my life. So uh, October comes, November comes, then December comes, I start to get more and more uh, resistant towards pornography. Like I would go a week, then I would fall. Then I would go like two weeks, then I would fall. Go mm-hmm. three weeks, then I would fall. Then I'll go a month and I'll fall. Finally, when I get to December 25th, I fall again. But this time, I just feel so, I just feel like such a strong conviction that I just cry out to God and mm-hmm. I just ask God for forgiveness and to help me really like stop doing this thing. And I've been free ever since, you know, I'm, I'm six yeah. going on seven years free from porn addiction. Yeah. Six, seven years. That's awesome, bro. Yeah. Hallelujah, man. Praise the Lord. Amen. Um, there's been a couple times on the podcast where I've done this like preface, like I'll, cause um, the guys know that I don't get overly religious, but I'm a God fearing blood washed, like in that prison. The second time I was there, man, I bowed the knee, man. And I remember, um, yeah, I'll never forget it, man. Cause every time I'd go in and out, man, I'd, I'd be like, man, my life's even since juvie, bro. I'd, I'd be in juvie, state jail, county jail, prisons. I would go, even though I didn't grow up in a Christian home, like we didn't have any Bibles at our house. Neither were my parents were Christians, God fearing any of that. And uh, every time I'd go to jail or something, man, like they'd be like, ah, oh, you know, church service, you know, down the hall or uh, in the cafeteria and people would be able to leave their cells and go to like this group church setting. And every time, you know, they would talk about sin and being, being held under the power of sin and wanting to be free, whether it's porn or alcohol or drugs, or, you know, you name it, man, just being, uh, self-loathing or depressed or whatever the case may be. It's like this power that gets on you. And even though you want to be free, you can't. And it's so powerful that you almost need to call on the power of one more powerful than your addiction. And it reminds me of uh, a couple scriptures that came to mind as you were talking about that, where how do you bind up the strong man? You know what I mean? Like you, another has to come and bind him up, you know, or, or that story about the, uh, the Gadarean demoniac who was demon possessed and the the scriptures say that he walked through the tombs at night, you know, cursing and screaming and cutting himself with rocks. And he was like, uh, he'd walk around naked, you know, like you could tell there was like some darkness and some depression and a lot of immorality going on in that man's life. And uh, when, when the boat landed on shore and Jesus feet touched the shoreline, that man came running, came running to Jesus and I think for, and again, it's, you know, it's not for the guys listening, um, you know, tongue in cheek, if this isn't for you, that's fine. But for some of you out there, I think this is the next step for you. Like we get to a place in our life where these things have such a power and such a weight over us that we are powerless against them. But there is one that is more powerful 
that not only can defeat that addiction, but the scriptures teach he defeated death, hell, and the grave. Like there is no power that matches that power. But it's almost like that Gadarene demoniac had to come and cry out for that help. There had to be a surrender. Yeah. Um, like you said with your wife, there was a, and I see, I totally see a picture of our relationship with Christ in that relationship with the woman you were dating that's now your wife, where you said that she was gracious to you. And I think that it may not be completely this, but her ability to be gracious with you and be accepting of where you were was because you were willing to be transparent and honest with her. And I think transparency and honesty really, really helps open up. Like when we come to God and we're not hiding anything, like we could hide anything from God anyway, but like, we're not hiding anything. We're like, we're like, God, this is where I am. Like I'm defeated and powerless and we're willing to own it. And he sees the heart of man that wants to be free. And uh, I heard a pastor say one time years ago, he said, sometimes the grave clothes don't fall off right away. And it's a process, like you said, where you win a week and then you failed. And then rather than every day or multiple times a day, now it's two weeks and then we fall, but we're committed to keep going. So what I'm hearing in that is that you were being transparent, not only with God, but with people, not everybody, but people that were in your immediate sphere, you're willing to be honest and transparent. You're, so your net, so your, your network is right. But you also had this attitude of, even though I'm failing at this, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. And so many addictions that I've dealt with in my past, bro, like nicotine, for example, or, you know, drinking or whatever have been me, like, for example, buying a can of Copenhagen, having a dip out of it, you know what I mean? Feeling guilty because it's a violation of my core value. Like, I don't want to smoke. I don't want to chew. I don't want to drink. I don't want to do any of these things. So I'll spend seven bucks and buy a can, take a dip, get convicted, and I'll throw the can out the window. Right. And then two days later, I'll buy another one. And I'll have a dip and I'll throw the can out the window. Like, I hate this, you know, and you throw it out the window. And I think over time, as we're like pressing that boundary of complete freedom and victory, even though we're stumbling, we get there. Like we eventually get there. And that's what I see in your story is that you didn't let those failures that were still occasionally happening convince you that this is who you'll always be. And there's no sense in even trying. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So how would you say the porn addiction affects confidence levels in men? Because I think for men to be successful, men need to be confident. So how does porn affect confidence levels in men? I think the way that the way that porn affects uh, confidence levels in men is uh, it affects it negatively, honestly. You know, um, I could even um, think back. I could even think back, honestly, to. Um, a conversation I was having with a, a brother that I'm, I'm currently um, counseling. And uh, basically his, his confidence level is uh, shot because right. of uh, the continued uh, porn use. Because right. what, what people don't understand uh, about pornography is uh, the fact that, you know, it rewires your brain. Right. You know, it affects it affects the way that you deal with, you know, relationships with people, especially, you know, if you're a man, you know, who currently is addicted to pornography. It affects the way that you deal with women, you know? It can affect the, your performance in the bedroom, you know, right. because of the fact that, you know, you have this uh, this fantasy in your mind of mm -hmm. how you how you see women 
and the the it it rewires your brain and it really messes with how you really deal with women of uh, the opposite sex in regards to, to that nature. In so, what way? If I could just jump in real quick, like in what way? Like we're expecting things that we shouldn't expect, or it it's like uh, confidence levels like decreased performance, or like what did you mean specifically? It affects the bedroom. Like how do you mean? What do you mean specifically? So it's it's decreased performance. It's decreased performance because um, because of uh, the fact that you have that fan that fantasy view of woman, and because when it comes to porn, you know they show like these these uh, these fake scenarios, you know, right. because the the thing with pornography is, you know, they have these scenarios where you don't know what's going on behind the scene. Everything is all acted out, you know, the woman moaning, everything of that nature. So um, when you watch. You all you automatically have that picture in your mind when you right. go to 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 have sex with a woman, you know. Yeah. And that now when you're finally in in the reality of the situation, yeah. that's not how it really goes down. So yeah. automatically, you know, the it it affects your libido and it, it really lowers it. Yeah. Yeah. So almost like so uh decreased libido. Um maybe even some like premature ejaculation stuff because like we're living in this fantasy world where like eroticism is heightened like to the 10th power kind of a thing and then it leaves your partner unfulfilled right yeah my wife my wife and i did an episode um last year romance and relationships and we talked about what every woman wants in a man not what every man thinks a woman wants in a man and we had talked about how you know, pornography affects the bedroom in the sense that men go into it with expectancies and it's all about the flesh. It's all about carnality. It's all about how I can heighten myself to this. And we're, you know, we're talking to a, a, an audience of men that, that are coming from this background where, so I can be real descriptive when I say we want to heighten to almost this like inflamed, erotic, lustful, you know, um, ejaculation so to speak and in order us in order for us to get to that place we almost have to like treat the woman as a tool to get there so and and my wife and I you know and I mean there's times for inflamed impassion I think and I think but the direction that the bedroom should always go is like romantic connection but there have been times in my past, even like in my marriage, where it's very, it's been very carnal for me in that moment, you know, for whatever reason. And um, my wife says, you know, I feel like you were, um, how does she say it? Um, having sex to me rather than having sex with me. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I was just a means or a, a means to an end, so to speak, for you kind of a thing, you know? And that can feel very one-sided for a man's wife and can also, I would guess, create some animosity, you know, in that arena where a woman is, you know, looking for something herself, more romantic, more connective, more intimate, more, you know, loving in the bedroom. And all she's getting is a brute animal, like a beast that's just using her flesh for his own sadistic passions, so to speak. And then for her, it's just like, okay, you know, I'll consent to this because I know you need it, but let's just get this over with quickly because this does absolutely nothing for me. And you know what I mean? It maybe even would drive a woman to begin to 
you know, and, and, and if the woman's not solid or whatever and, and willing to like talk to her husband or talk to her partner or whatever, it may even drive her to start looking for that need to be met somewhere else, which then in turn causes divorce and friction in the marriage and different things like that. Yeah, yeah it's, definitely. Yeah, it's an epidemic that pours into like every fabric. So you were talking about confidence. I want to stay on that just for a second. So sure. you said this guy. Um, it's affecting his confidence levels. And I think for men, <clears throat> the foundation for success in any area of life, and I'm, I'm not, and I'm obviously not talking about the foundation stone of Jesus Christ in this sense. Like we know, like you and I know that, but there's maybe guys that aren't there yet. But I mean, just from being a successful man, I think that that foundation pillar is our confidence levels. And when our confidence levels are shot, waning, or in decline, not only does it affect the bedroom, but it affects your ability to manage your money correctly. It affects your ability to show up on the job and like do a really good job and like start moving through the ranks and earning promotions and being seen as a leader and like being able to add value as a leader in a leadership position on your job because your confidence levels are up. I mean, I, I, cause confidence, confidence is the, is the main source that feeds into all those areas. So if your confidence is shot because of this porn addiction, it's going to affect how you show up and perform in all these other hats that you wear as a man. Would you agree to that? I would absolutely agree to that. Yeah, of course, because as a man thinks, so he does, you know, if, if automatically, you know, as a man, you're thinking, okay, that you're, you're not confident, you know, then you're not going to be able to perform at the, the, your best self, the highest level, you right. know, and I believe that porn really saps your confidence. You know, it, 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 it doesn't, it takes, takes out all, it takes out all of the good out of you. You know, you, it's like you, you have this energy inside of you that, that um, God wants to, wants you to use to put your best towards all these other things in your life. When it comes to finances, when, when it comes to your job, when it comes to your relationships and porn really takes all of that out. It robs you of all of that confidence that you need. So yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And another one that just came to my mind would be like your confidence levels of taking care of your own physical health. Like, you know, you're feeling down and beaten up, no confidence. You're like, why, why, eat, why eat right? Why exercise? Why take care of, you know, like, we get in that place, man. Yeah, I totally see that, bro. And I don't, I think that can be transferred across the board. You know, like if you're struggling with a drug addiction, that's, you know, fighting your confidence levels, it's going to affect everything. If you're struggling with anything. So like, I think it's imperative that men really sit down and do the hard work first of being honest and saying, all right, does this thing have me? Does this monster got a hold of me? And if it does, how is it affecting other areas of my life? And really weigh out, look, do I want to keep going down this road? Because if nothing changes in five years, nothing changes. And I'll be right where I'm at or worse in five years. And really being willing to dig deep, own the, own the fact that there's a problem, own the fact that it's okay. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not okay in that it's acceptable, but it's okay. Here you are, like 20 million men are, you have this problem. You know what I mean? Who's going to be the one that rises up and does something about it? Only the most elite. Only the most apex minded type man is going to say, whatever it takes, I'm going to defeat this monster and I'm going to win. And it's a bloody battle, bro. Like I talk it about is. in my book, you have to be able to get in close enough. Like in order to get close enough to hit, to land punches, you got to be close enough to get hit. You know what I mean? In any battle. Right. And 
it's going to be a deal where when you make the choice to do it, all of hell and darkness and the worst part of us is going to be like, hell no, we ain't giving you stuff. We're not letting you win, you know? And there'll be moments where you'll win for a couple of days and fall flat on your face. In that moment, Warner, what would you tell somebody that is fighting tooth and nail to get serious about beating a porn addiction and they're having like some limited success, like they'll go a few days and then something will trigger it and they'll fall. What would you tell the man that's just fallen to give him the encouragement to get up and keep going? Even if, yeah, even if he falls a hundred times, what would you tell him to give him the encouragement and the courage to keep going? The just man falls seven times and gets back up. Get back up every single time and keep fighting. Keep fighting because the more you fight, the more strength that you'll get. You know, you'll you get stronger the more you resist. That okay. that's that's how you're able to resist for longer time, longer periods of time. You know. Yeah. So um, pretty much like when it comes to porn addiction, you know. It's it's about it's about how you fight and you have to know why you fight too. Why do you want to be free? Why like do you want to be a better man? Do you want to be a better husband to your wife? Do you want to be a better father to your kids? Do you want to be you know a better son to your parents? It, it could be. Do you want to be? A, do you want to perform better in the workplace? Do you want to be a better person? You have to know why you're fighting this thing, and I think that's something that's just so important because. A purpose is so important. You have to know your why. You have to know why you want to be free from pornography addiction. You have to know your why. Awesome. Dude, that's that's awesome, bro. Like that's that's kind of like the coach in the corner in the boxing ring. You know what I mean? Like you're not mini mousing around. It's like we need to figure out what the end goal and why it is we want to do this, man. So okay, so let's talk about tools. We know our why now. We want to be a better husband, we want to be a better father. We want to have confidence levels that bleed out into every arena of life that we walk in. We now know our why. What are some of the tools that men can use to get victory? Yeah, sure. So um, one tool, one tool that uh, men could use is uh, called Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is uh, it's uh, a software that can be installed on your computers, which blocks out all um, sexually suggestive uh, content. You can put it on your computer, you can put it on your laptop, um, and pretty much what it will do is it will block every single you know sexually suggestive uh, video or uh, picture. Um, mm -hmm while you use it you know it's a it's a subscription based uh content you know so you have to pay a little bit of money every month but you know whatever it takes whatever it takes to get free you know if it's if this is something that you know that that a man has been you know struggling with for years and uh it's become a problem in their marriage and their family you know why not invest in their freedom why not invest in their freedom and get that you know so right. that's one that's a uh, one tool um another tool you know is just uh, uh spiritually based you know get in the word you know get a get a get a hunger for god's word you know get in his word read it try to read it every day try to read a verse every day you know get get that get get that that spiritual thing going you know so you can your your desires will change you know change your desires to god so that your desires for god will be the desires for your addiction Right. You know, and uh, uh, another tool is uh, fasting. Fasting is a, a great tool. You know, um, you can fast, you know, for a week. Um, one, one way you start out is you can fast till 12. You can uh, abstain from all food, you know, and all devices and just get in God's word um, stay to, to try to strengthen yourself. Um, you know, so, yeah, those are just some, some tools that someone can use right now. Okay, let's, you know, unpack, to, to a few, 
let's unpack a few of those. So accountability, you talked about covenant eyes. And I mentioned that, I mentioned that because I came across that too, like just in the research that I've done, this web or it's an app that basically, you know, either shuts down access to these things, or there's another person that you connect to your membership with them. And anytime you wander somewhere you shouldn't, they get a notification. You know what I mean? So it's like, yes. grandma, I need you to do this with me. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm joking there, you know, but every time you look at porn, your grandma's going to get a notification that you were on Pornhub or something. But finding an account. So what I'm hearing from that is accountability. We yes. need to have some accountability in our life. So like, would you suggest that either, you know, and like I said, there's some guys that, you know, they're not there on the religious thing yet. You know, they're going to get there, but they're not there yet. So they don't maybe have access to like church friendships or anything like that yet. But still, even in that exclusive case, um, of course, you and I would suggest that a person, you know, surrender their life to God, get around some God-fearing people and change their network and be in the word and all that stuff. But for someone that maybe hasn't made that decision yet to find somebody that they can go to and just be like, look, here's my struggle. I need you to hold me accountable. Like I need you, like, these are my weak moments. Like I need you to check in with me every day. And the deal is I got to be brutally honest with you and tell you whether or not I failed today. And you're, and you're into the deal is you can't judge me and you've got to just encourage me and walk with me through this without trampling my pearls, so to speak. You know, you know what I mean? So finding an accountability partner for something like this is key is what I'm hearing. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Accountability is a uh, very important in order to fight porn addiction because, you know, when you, when you find someone who can hold you accountable for this, what you, what you do is you expose the addiction, you know, because like porn, porn addiction thrives in the darkness. Yeah. It thrives when we hide it and keep it to ourselves. But when you let someone else know about it, then it loses its power in a way over yeah. you. Because yeah. that person is going to be able to, to hold you accountable uh, in regards to how, how many times you watch and things of that nature. Because, right. you know, they'll be able to get on you and be like, okay, look, I see that. I see that you're watching at this time, this time, at third, what's going on? You know, they'll, be, they'll always be on you. And it, it kind of puts that pressure on you and lets you know, okay, look, I, I got to shape up. I got to stop watching this thing. Yep. yep. It's a resistance tool. I like it, man. And yeah. you were talking about changing your desires. Mm -hmm. So, and obviously, again, you and I were talking about like changing your desires almost in the sense of he shall give you the desires of your heart, meaning he will give you his desires to where you and I'm speaking of he, we're talking about God, where mm -hmm. now the things that please God, the things of righteousness and purity and growth and maturity and being a better man. Um, these are the things that are not that you now desire for yourself. Like something is now hungry in you to be a better man. And then you were talking about getting in the word. Obviously, I know that's going to be a help, a tremendous help to people. But obviously, your book is one of them. But would you suggest like people go on a deep educative dive to like really start reading books, start watching YouTube videos? you know, maybe attend a seminar or watch a seminar online or like really go into full education mode. And the reason I say that is because for me, like 
Copenhagen is a big deal up here in the oil fields. You know what I mean? All these truckers in the oil fields, they put a big old lip of Copenhagen or Red Man in. It's nicotine tobacco. You know what I mean? It's what it's like cowboy hats and you get it. I'm, I'm sure you get it, right? Man. And it's kind of the thing, you know, smoking's not really a thing up here anymore. You know, it's just because you can't smoke on these oil field locations because it's explosive and there's oil and all this stuff. So there was even a time in my life, bro, where I'm like, I need to beat this, bro, because I don't, it's not my core value. Like, it's not going to kill me. Like, it's not going to send me to hell, you know, but like at the same time, I know it's not healthy. I know it's expensive. I know it's, you know, all, all these different reasons that we know not to do something, but it's still there. It's the addiction is there. And what really helped me, bro, was going on this educative dive where I was like, okay, here's the cancer rates from this product. Um, it restricts your arteries, which is increases your uh, chance for or cardiovascular issues because it restricts arteries. You know, it's $7 a day for a can. So we're talking, you know, I'm just ballparking here, but basically $2,500 a year. You know what I mean? Like a couple mortgage payments are being wasted on this thing that really doesn't do anything for you. You know what I mean? And like, mm -hmm. And, and educating myself on all of the negative aspects of that particular issue really helped me go, wow, what, okay, why would I do this? You know what I mean? It's, it's the secrecy of not knowing why it's so bad. But when you educate yourself on why it's seriously bad, it gives you power and information that I see as a tool to help you win. Would you suggest that guys kind of go on like a educational dive to like learn and read and watch and educate themselves on why porn is bad and how to get free from it and stuff. I would, I would definitely absolutely recommend that a hundred percent that, that they do that education, that they do that research, you know, the, um, the internet, the internet is a free resource. Google is a free resource that, um, you know, anybody can use to find information about porn and why it's wrong. You know, obviously porn is wrong. Um, because of the whole the whole aspect of how how it's done and all that goes into it, all that's behind it, you know, we we know as Christians that okay that God's model for sex is not this okay, but just from a factual standpoint, what it does to your brain, it rewires your brain and how you see women and how you view you, women. And another thing too that I that um I think should also be discussed is uh continued porn use. You know, of course it makes it makes you addicted to it, but it can also you know. So it can also lead to other places like like child pornography, even, you know, child people who watch child pornography, um, believe it or not, they started with regular pornography, you right. know, and people, people who continue to watch child pornography, you know, it can lead to like, you know, them becoming rapists and things of that nature. So it's like uh, that, that, that fact, that factual part of it is very important, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like, okay, uh, you started out smoking weed right? Because you have an addictive mindset and, you know, you live in a neighborhood where heroin is prevalent. Like this is the direction you're headed. If you stay in this, you know what I mean? And look, how many people do you know that have overdosed for her from heroin, even in your own neighborhood, like in our, in our, in our quiet little sleepy town that my wife and I are kind of from, like I grew up in Texas, but we've been in Colorado for 20 years before we moved to North Dakota. And um, I know somebody down there that keeps me in the loop of all these people every year, bro, that overdose from heroin. And just like you said, it starts out with a simple porn addiction, but it's not enough you get acclimated to that type of material and now it needs to get more lewd more perverted more sadomastic 
more diabolical, more violent, more whatever, you know, in order for a man to uh, even be aroused, let alone climax. And before you know it, man, you've worked yourself into the steel where because you're watching this stuff on the internet or whatever so much, you condition yourself to believe that this is acceptable. And then when you go into an illicit immoral relationship with a young girl that you met, you know, on a social media site and end up going to prison for sexual indecency with a child, like, it's almost like, man, I didn't even see myself getting here because I had conditioned my mind to accept that this is normal. It was just yesterday, bro. I was talking to my son about the internet and I was telling him it's a two-edged sword, right? Because you can look mm -hmm. up anything, educate yourself on anything. But at the same time, you know what I mean? It's also, there's a lot of dirty stuff out there. And, you know, I was talking to him about how when I was a kid, we could go outside and play, bro, till the sun went down. And there was never, and I lived in El Paso, bro, like a heavily, like crime ridden town, but we could still go outside and play. And now my wife and I have this apprehension of even sending our kids outside without checking on them every 20 minutes. And I told him, I said, here's why. And I pulled up the sex offender registry for our town here in North Dakota. There's like 40 people on there, starting from just a few houses away, all the way through town to the outskirts of town into the rural areas beyond, where men mostly have gotten themselves into a sexual indecency with a child, uh, sexual penetration of a minor, um, rape, like all of these different things, man. And I guarantee you, those men didn't start out that way. It started out with just, quote unquote, innocent porn. And it led into something where they actually hurt someone and ended up hurting themselves and sending themselves to prison. Now they have to register for life. You know what I mean? That jacket is on them now forever. Like you can't run from that. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's um, just um, expanding on a point that you said about how you never, they never thought that they would be at that place. That's the thing. You know, I never thought that I would be addicted for five years, you know, yeah. just from watching that one video, you know, but that's all it takes is one video. Then it turns to two. Then it turns to you're watching every day. Then the what you're watching starts to uh, uh, deviate in, in how and what's being presented. You know, like I know in my case, you know, um, I started with watching regular videos. Then I, I saw as, as I was watching, I started to want to crave to watch younger women, you know, yeah. so I would, I would, I would watch like, you know, like teenagers and things of that nature. Um, never went into child pornography, you know, thank God. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, 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 the worst video I watched, uh, I started to watch women um, using the bathroom too. It was, it was horrible, you know, yeah. and I never saw myself getting to that point. But then again, look, pornography you know it really perverts your mind you know right. and what what perversion is 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 uh is purpose flipped flipped over flipped upside down you know what right. i'm saying because when it comes when it comes to sex sex is supposed to be between uh, a married woman and a married man so um yeah yeah no i i i also sadly think that this is where um many an incestual sexual abuse scenario that takes place at home where a father has let himself go for too long into porn and finds himself committing the unspeakable you know what i mean and if that's something that you know anybody out there listening has ever found themselves in um 
I don't, I don't, uh, I don't want you to think it's the end of the road for you because there's never an end of the road. As long as God is involved, as long as grace is involved, as long as we're willing to do the work and, you know, kind of own up to our mistakes and start the process of climbing out of this hole that we've dug for ourselves. As long as that's there, there's always hope. But some of the things that we end up doing as men, whether it's in the area of sexuality, drugs, you know, we got drunk one night, flipped a car and killed some people accidentally because we were drunk. Some of the things that we do that started out innocent, but we let it get away from us, end up turning into those moments where you can't go back and it's too late. And those are the hardest moments for men to recover from and get their confidence levels back because those moments are forever burned into the fabric of their memory. And the minute they try to mount up the courage to do something exceptional with their life, there is that lying, haunting voice reminding them of the worst thing that they ever done, the worst failure they've ever had, whether it was sexual or something else. And they will use that lying voice, that demonic power, so to speak, will use that as fuel to convince somebody that they cannot ever be successful, have confidence and win. And that's what keeps men stuck. I haven't even looked at the time, Warner. Are you are you good to keep going for a few minutes? Do you got something you got going on tonight, man? This is going really well, bro. I'm getting blessed. Yeah, blessed we could keep we could keep going. Yeah, keep I'll hold going. you. Yeah, I'll hold you for a few more minutes. Um, just real quick, you had talked about fasting. Um, and obviously, for anybody that doesn't know what that is, that means just kind of denying yourself meals or food for a chosen period of time that you decide to um you know, for spiritual reasons, it kind of just helps you kind of feel more spiritual. But I think what the other physical aspect of fasting, and correct me if I'm wrong, you can totally trash this up if I'm if I missed it or whatever. But what we're doing is we are training our flesh that they are not in charge by fasting. One aspect, this is just one aspect of it. I know there's spiritual aspect too. But what we're doing is we are training our flesh to let our flesh know that our willpower is in charge not the flesh, right? And that's ultimately going to bleed into addictions and different things that we have, right? By, by giving us the strength. Um, and I guess while we're on that real quick, because it just flashed through my mind, you had said something about when you're fighting and falling, mm-hmm. get up and keep going because every time you fight, you strengthen yourself for the fight. And I thought that was really powerful, bro, because men see the fall or the failure as the evidence that they're not winning rather than focusing on the fact that I just fought. doesn't matter if I won or lost so much right now. What matters is I got in the ring and threw down. So I'm stronger for it as a man. Mm-hmm. So the next time I'm going into this thing stronger as a man, I really like that, bro. That was good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You know, I think the, 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 the thing is sometimes, you know, as, as men, you know, we could think like, okay, that when something, something isn't working, you know, every time we fail, um, you know, we, we tend to give up and things of that nature, but it's important that you don't give up. It's important that every time you fall, you get back up again, you can get back up again. Even, even if, even if you just fell now, even if, you know, you're struggling right now, wherever you are, you can get back up again and keep fighting. I don't care how long you've been addicted to this thing. You can get free. It's, it all starts in the mind. Do you want to be free? Do you desire to be free? 
you know, and how great is that desire? Yeah, I love it, bro. I love it. One of the chapters in your book is called I am the problem. Yep. Is this a full ownership kind of a deal where we can't blame anybody else for why we're here? We have to take extreme ownership of it. Or did I, am I misinterpreting that? Talk to me about that. What do you mean by I am the problem? Yeah. So basically that's, that's exactly what it is. It's a full ownership of uh, the problem. It's a full ownership of the, of, of your involvement in the problem is basically saying, okay, you're taking ownership for the fact that you're in addiction. You're taking ownership for the fact that, you know, you watched the videos, you looked them up, you went to those websites. It wasn't anything that anybody, you know, uh, forced you to do. Like yeah. I know, you know, in regard, in regards to my story, no one showed me pornography, you know, when I was younger, but I know for some other people, might have been their story you know but for me I went to go look it up I was curious I went to go and and see what it was so it is it was my problem that I brought on myself and I think that ownership is so important because sometimes as men we like to get into this victim mentality and think oh you know uh the life is hard so I watch you know or things aren't going right so I watch and things of that nature but no you have to understand that okay this is something that you did and now you have to be a part of the solution and see how you're going to deal with it yeah i love that bro and you hit the nail on the head with that whole thing of like the excuses you know ah my life sucks why does it matter or i was a hard day at work i'll just pound a bottle of whiskey or you know ah my wife's giving me grief so like we we look for these justifications you know what i mean i just feel like another one for me is i get in these weird moments even though dude i wrote the book it's doing okay the podcast is doing like way beyond what i ever thought it would and I still have these moments, bro, where I feel purposeless, like I'm not having the impact that I want. And I'm just stuck in the monotony of life. And I think that's another trigger for people is that they just feel stuck almost like, like, is this my life? Like I go to work every day, I come home to my wife and kids, I pay my bills, I try to get ahead chasing this, you know, warped American dream. And we get to feeling like out of balance and out of purpose and stuff. And it's easy to go if, if, if nothing's going the way I want it to. And, you know, there's no excitement in my life. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go do this. Like I'm going to justify doing this, you know, and I think it's important to not to not justify to not justify and make excuses, but to own it, like you said, man. Yeah, 100 percent. You know, take a take accountability for your actions, you know, take up accountability for your shortcomings. Um, of course, don't beat yourself down. You know, don't get don't be hard on yourself, give yourself some grace, you know, um, and, and get back up and fight this thing, you know, understand that. Okay. Even though I was a part of the problem, I'm going to be a part of the solution. Yeah. The most powerful descriptive term I ever heard for the word grace. And, you know, depending on what religious circle you're in or whatever, you know, you'll hear different definitions for that word. And I know there is an accurate, like Webster's dictionary definition for grace, but this, this, this one minister told me one time, he said, grace is nothing more than room to grow. And I thought, wow, that's powerful. Like, basically, we're admitting on the front side that we're not perfect. And God is basically, or you are basically giving yourself room to understand, here's where we are. We're not perfect. Here's where we need to be. There's going to be time to get there. There's going to be stumbles and victories to get there. I'm going to create a huge space for the journey to get there and give myself room to grow not excuse the work but 
you know, deal with the losses on the way, celebrate the victories on the way, and give myself room to get there. You talked about pinpointing and fighting lust triggers in your book. Let's go into that a little bit. Talk to me about that. Yeah, of course, definitely. So um, triggers basically are anything that can cause you to, you know, think lustfully or, and want to watch porn. Okay. And for me, um, there are two, there's two types of triggers, I would say. There are intentional triggers and unintentional triggers, right? So an intentional trigger might be, you know, an R-rated movie with a sex scene. Okay, of course, you know, that would, that would, you know, tempt someone to go and watch, you know, like, uh, for example, um, the, the Holly Berry Monsters Ball, you know, that yeah. can make, that can, uh, you know, make someone want to watch porn. Okay, right. so that would be an example of an intentional trigger. An unintentional trigger um, is like whether it's it could be caused by uh, whether there was like an intrusive thought or something of that nature, you know, in your mind, um, and you it, it makes you think it makes you think about porn, you know. Mm -hmm. So for me, in in just using myself as an example, uh, an unintentional trigger would be like uh, say for instance there was a there was a video you know that I watched, okay. And in the video, the woman said, I have to use the bathroom, you know, it was a sexual video. And anytime, you know, where I would, I would hear the words, okay, I have to use the bathroom, it would make me think about that video, it would sure. trigger that thought, right. But the thing is, when when that thought comes, you have the power to put that thought in the garbage, you have the power to just resist that and be like, Nope, uh -uh, I'm not gonna let that thought make me go and do something that's against my core values. Right. So yeah. So as a man now being this far into your recovery and your healing from this, so to speak, I would assume that that battle these days is really nothing more than just you speak to that thought and be like, no, that's not me. And we're done here. Like, okay. Like I'm surprised that I even had that thought, but I had it. So that's not me and we're done. What would you say to the guy? And I know that you've been here because I know I've been here where that thought comes, you speak to it. And it speaks back to you and then you speak to it and it speaks back to you almost like, Hey, move. No, you move, move. No, you move kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Like, like to, to, to just, I don't know. What would you say to that guy that's got to talk to himself for like five minutes, you know, and like get through it. Okay. So one thing I've learned is that the idle mind is the devil's playground. Okay. So when you're, um, not focusing on anything that's important and things of that nature, that's usually what causes, uh, that, that's usually what can in, invite these thoughts in. Okay. So I would say, um, try to focus on something that's important. You know, try to, uh, if you have to pray, if you have to pray, pray. If you have to read, read. Try to get productive. Try to get productive in your thinking. Is there something that you're not focusing on, whether in your marriage or your family or at your job or wherever you are right now? Is there something that you're not you're not focusing on that you should be focusing on? Get productive. That's what I would say, because when you okay. have a productive mind, you know, a mind that that wants to get things done, that wants to move forward in any area of your life, whether it's financially, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your family, whether it's at your workplace, wherever you are, um, it, 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 it kind of closes off. It closes off. Uh, it, it puts a barrier um, for those lustful thoughts to stay at bay. Yeah, so. yeah. No, I like it, bro, because what I think I just heard there was if the thoughts come, it's because like for me, a truck driver and a lot of guys that I know and hang out with in the oil field, it's a lot of machinery and truck driving, a lot of just windshield time, counting miles, moving fluids around different things. And uh, 
the mind can wander and go idle. And if a man catches himself wandering that direction and those thoughts come, turn your thoughts towards a productive direction in the sense of going, okay, that thought came. I'm, I'm not even going to wrestle with that thought. I'm actually going to force myself intentionally to think about how I can make some financial moves that are going to help me long-term or how I'm going to date my wife this week or how I'm going to level up in my craft at work this week and maybe learn something that I don't know or add value here at work in a way that I maybe haven't. And what you've done is you've almost turned your back on that voice and turned your face towards a new topic to think about. Like it's work, but I think that's just what I heard you say. Like it's being proactive. Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, the thing about lust is lust is only as strong as you allow it to be. You know, it's only as strong as, as the attention that you give it. If you don't give it any attention, that thing will die out. I like it. I like it, bro. Starve it. Starve that bastard, bro. I like it. Oh yeah. Starve <laughs> it, man. Starve it. Okay, cool, man. Like I, I'm intentionally not going to go over all of these like chapter points that are in the book because this has been a really good episode, bro, with good flow and good chemistry. And I'd love to have you come back. If you're oh, okay with I, that. I'm welcome. I'm, yeah. I'm welcome to come back. Yeah. I'd okay, love it. Awesome. Okay. So we've talked about um, owning the fact that we're the problem. We talked about pinpointing the triggers. Um, you know, accountability, a whole bunch of stuff, but just from the chapters, um, the private war. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So the private war basically is the war that uh, that you fight with your flesh. It's a war that that's going on that, uh, you know, nobody else is involved. It's just between you and yourself. And this is a war that you have to get up and fight every single day. You know, it's it's a daily thing. You know, even though that I, I've, I've almost coming up on seven years free, I'm still fighting, but I'm, I'm fighting from a position of victory. You know, yeah. so that's uh, continuing to do uh, positive things, continuing to read the word, continuing to uh, have a positive mindset and a, a mindset that is moving forward so that I don't move back. You know, that's what the private war is about. Mm. It's about picking up your sword and going to fight, you know, every single day. Yeah. And it's yeah. between you and yourself. Yeah, dude, I love that. Fighting from a position of victory. Basically, your future self that has already won this battle which there may be some guys listening to this now that cannot see themselves ever being clean and healed and victorious from this monster, but you can, and you will, and your future self is already there clean and victorious from this. And you need to fight that battle today from that guy's position in the future. If we're looking at it purely temporal, but also from a, a, a spiritual aspect, fighting from a position of victory in Christ, because Christ has already defeated that sin. Right. And he, and it's not something we have to ask him for, for permission to do because we are in Christ. Therefore, any battle that we fight, whether it's porn, drugs, alcohol, working on our marriage, you name it, anything, mm -hmm. we are in Christ. We are already fighting from a place of victory and it's just a matter of the time frame and the battle and the punches mm -hmm. to get there and it's almost like that's part of the journey you know what i mean if like everything that's wrong with you and i or that ever was or that maybe somebody's listening it's got like a multiplicity of issues that they're fighting if god or yourself or the universe just came down and took it all away 
you wouldn't appreciate what you became. Not, not saying that I'm advocating that everybody run out and get a whole bunch of sins under their belt and addictions that they got to fight, you know, whatever. But it's almost like you got to fight through these things to really appreciate the freedom that you finally get to when you get there. You know what I mean? And I really, I, I really like that. Um, life after freedom. Yes. Yeah, so there, man. talk to me about that. What's that look like? What's that all about? Absolutely. Yeah. So life after freedom. Okay. So basically after you, after you get free from porn addiction, you have to have a plan, you know, and that plan is a purpose, you know, in, in, in my instance, um, God wanted me to write. So what I started doing is I started writing, I started writing books. You know, I, I, um, I published a book back in, uh, 2019 called, uh, beyond the pew. Um, and now I have this book, Defeat Yourself, which I just published. And I, I believe that uh, in, order, in order to stay free from porn addiction, you have to, you have to live purpose, purposefully. Mm -hmm. You have to live purposefully because that's mm -hmm. the thing that's going to help you remain free. That's how your life is going to look after freedom, you know, so that you don't return to that addiction. Of course, you want to get free. That's what you got to do first. But in order for you to stay free, you have to live purposefully. So right. that, that's, that's how life after freedom looks. Yeah, absolutely. I love that, bro. Because if you just beat it, it's almost like that, that scripture that says, um, <clears throat> you'll have to help me remember this, bro, where the demons were cleansed from the house, mm -hmm. but the house was just cleaned and then nobody was living there. So the demon came back and brought seven more powerful demons with him. Do you remember what scripture I'm talking about? It's like the house was clean, but we're not doing anything with it. There's no purpose. It's still open and it's still empty. So all of this stuff can just come back. We can go back to our default self right away if we're not proactively living with purpose every day from the point of freedom forward, basically is what you're saying, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying. That, that, that scripture is Matthew 12, 45 to 47. It's in that scripture, yeah, where, um, you know, these unclean spirits were in this person, you know, and then uh, they got casted out, but then um, that spirit got casted out and then it came back. It seemed the place clean. So it got like even worse spirits and came to that person and that person became even worse. So I think it's very important that uh, when you get clean, you understand to live purposefully you know, whatever that looks like in your life. Um, I believe in the beginning of the chapter, I used an example um, from Shawshank Redemption, you know, and there was a character in Shawshank Redemption called uh, Brooks Hatlin. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this guy was a guy, you know, old guy. I think he did like maybe up to 50 years in prison. And after he got free, he just didn't know what to do. He didn't know, he didn't know how to adjust to society. So he decided to end up killing himself. And yeah. I think, Honestly, that's something that could that could happen to, to the addict, you know, after they, you know, after you get free, you know, you, you're free for a couple of days or maybe even a couple of weeks, you know, and you don't know what to do with yourself, you know, because all you knew was your addiction, you know, right. so what do you do? You end up going back to that addiction. So that's why it's important that you understand your purpose. Try to find your purpose. Try to find uh, the reason for your existence. Why are you here? Why did God put you here? Try to search for that. You know, try to pray. What, whatever you can do, what anybody you can talk to, whatever church you can go to, uh, try to seek after that. You know, yeah. because we're all created for a reason. Yeah. No, I love that, bro. And when we're talking about tools of accountability and like finding purpose, one thing that I know helps me for sure stay on the straight and narrow. Um, is 
being in service to those that are struggling. So I'm even I'm gonna, even going to ask you on a personal level, do you feel like the, the counseling work that you're doing, the books that you're writing, kind of growing, growing yourself into this space? Uh, because I see where your future is going with this. If this is really what you're going to write books about this and you're going to counsel men, there's a podcast that I listen to. It's called Real Men Connect. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. You should check it out, bro, because the guy kind of does what you're doing now, but he's 30 years into his, into his, what he's in his craft already. You know what I mean? But like, would you feel like, do you feel like helping other men defeat this thing and get successful is almost helping you stay successful on your journey? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I think this is definitely something that is, uh, is it's helping me stay successful on my journey. It's something that helps me stay focused you know, on my journey, you know, it's something that that really helps 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 my mind to remain in a in a space where okay, I understand what my purpose is. I understand that I'm I'm made for more, mm-hmm. and because of the fact that I understand that I'm made for more, and that you know God wants to use me for more, it keeps me focused in my freedom. So yeah, definitely, absolutely. I love that. I love that. That's absolutely fantastic, bro finding 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 continued freedom in accountability and being purpose driven in service to other people it's kind of why i do what i do because even though i'm not a perfect man i always have that lingering in the back of my mind like dude you can't go back to that old guy like look what you've built bro like the books like they're all over prisons in America, like the podcast is all over the world, you know, and like, I'm not Tony Robbins or anybody fantastic like that, you know, but like, I'm having impact, you know, and it's like, you can't be in two places at once. Like you can't live that old life and be that default guy and do this positive, affirming, influencing work for men. So if you're going to do this, which I want to do this, it helps me to not go back or even flirt with the idea of going back to being that old man. You know what I mean? I love it. So let's close out, bro, with the book. What is the title of the book again? I know you mentioned it a second ago, but tell us again. Yeah, so the title of the book is uh, Defeat Yourself, Your Guide to Overcoming Porn Addiction for Good. It's uh, currently currently on sale in, uh, in Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. Okay. And, uh, you know, it. This is a this is a book that if you are struggling currently with porn addiction, this will help you fight it. This will help you defeat it and overcome it. You know, um, throughout each chapter, there's actually um, there's nine total steps that you can take to start battling the addiction today, and um, invest in your freedom. You know, if you're somebody you know who's currently struggling with porn addiction and you you've tried everything, you know try this, try this book, invest in it, and you will not be disappointed because porn addiction has an expiration date. Love it. So I was looking at the book, obviously, um, when you sent it to me a few months back. And again, I re- like refreshed myself with it today. But there's actually not, a, not maybe necessarily a course, but after each chapter, there's places for people to kind of write down, like, you know, where are my weaknesses? Where are my triggers? Like, how is this affecting me? Like things that they got out of each chapter, they can kind of write down and almost personalize it to a greater degree than just a normal book on the topic would already be, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, at the end of each chapter is something called uh, my my defeat, my defeat uh, plan step, um, my defeat plan step. You know, mm -hmm. so after chapter one is step one and step two, step three, step four. So it's basically important that um, after after reading that, you know, you can find steps to, to, to use to help you move forward in your battle. You know, that, that, that's, that's um, basically why those are there. Um, so that, you know, you don't just read, but you learn how to read and apply. Yeah, I love it, bro. Awesome, bro. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today. I know this is going to go down also as one of the better and most downloaded episodes, bro. Um, not only for the content, but just for good chemistry and flow and good value added content for the listeners. Um, not to put you on the spot, bro, but I'm wrestling with the idea of doing an audio book version of my book. Have you considered doing that too? Like down the road, maybe when you get time at all? Uh, it's definitely something that I have, I have thought of, you know, mm -hmm. it's definitely something that I have thought of. Um, but you know, I'm definitely open to the idea of doing an audio book. Yeah. So I would, I would definitely consider doing that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Cause I think guys are on the move a lot, man. And they kind of need something, you know, and it, it not to say, man, if you if you need a tool, then you need to make time and sit down and educate yourself. But man, I, I know that there's a lot of people out there that have told me, bro, if you put this in an audiobook, man, I will get it and I will listen to it, you know, kind of a thing. But you know, it's just, you know, figuring out all the IT stuff. I made it, I've gone this far. So like it's just the next step. But um, yeah, bro. So if people want to reach out and like connect with you, like, is that okay? Like you want to share, like if somebody hears the podcast. And they want to reach out to you, man, and be like, hey, man, I'm struggling with this. And I heard your podcast. And, you know, can you give me some pointers or ideas or people just want to thank you for like the information you shared? Are you comfortable with people reaching out to you for that? Yeah, I'm absolutely. I'm definitely comfortable with people reaching out to me. You know, my email is uh, wernersnazon at gmail.com. You know, there's actually a, a, a spot in one of the chapters where I actually put my email okay. um, in there where if you know, if anybody wants to reach out, if you need someone to talk to, you know, awesome. can definitely reach out to me. Absolutely. Awesome. And that's W-E-R-N-E-R-S-N-A-Z-O-N at gmail.com. Yes, that's correct. Awesome. Fantastic, bro. All right, man. Well, listen, I'll let you get back to the family. My wife's fixing to walk through the door. I'm going to try to make the most of this Sunday night. But okay. uh, yeah, we'll do it again here after a bit, man. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. All right. Thank you for having me, Nick. And I look forward to the next time. Have awesome. a good night, man. Yeah, you too, brother. Hey, guys, just wanted to put a quick plug in for the book. Very happy to announce the release of Apex Masculinity, Defeat Self-Sabotage, Reclaim True Manhood. It's available at Amazon, available on Barnes and Nobles, anywhere books are sold. And I just wanted to go over what the topics include so you guys can get a well-rounded idea of what this book has to offer you. Topics include the awakening moment, that moment when we realize that the man that we've been up to this point is no longer serving us or the people that we claim to love and care for. Also, building self-awareness muscles, teaching us how to properly carry ourselves in a culture where masculinity is under constant assault. Also, understanding self-limiting belief systems and how to eradicate them once and for all. Understanding self-sabotage, what it is, 
where it started and how to stop throwing that hand grenade into your lap over and over again. Helping you understand the real reasons why some of you use drugs, excessively drink, and binge watch pornography. Also, understanding how childhood trauma affects our ability to succeed in life. Listen, it's not your fault how it got started, but it is now your responsibility to take complete ownership of the man that you have become and begin the process of reforming yourself. Undertaking the necessary steps to rebuild a mired reputation. It's time to start regaining the trust and the respect that you deserve. Quite honestly, the trust and the respect that maybe the way you carried yourself in the past denied you. Also, understanding leadership and influence. Guys, the world needs you. Now, more than ever, does the world need apex men. More than you realize. There's tips and tactics and strategies on building an epic marriage, one overflowing with real connection, passion, and intimacy. Also, building a parenting strategy that will develop and launch your children towards a greater success in life. Your kids need you to invest in them so that they can be head and shoulders above everyone else that's being launched into the world. Also, understanding triggers for relapse and impulsive decision-making and how to mitigate those triggers on the front side before we make toxic choices. Also, how to build a living legacy, one that's worthy of respect and admiration. Also, understanding the neural pathways of the brain, how they connect to the ether around us, and understanding the law of attraction and how to use gratitude and courage to create limitless opportunities for success. Guys, this book is jam-packed with tons of helpful strategies, tips, and tactics on how to go from being the toxic, substandard man that we've been, and I say that with love and respect, to the epic apex man that exists inside each of us that's just waiting to come out. Guys, I'd love to get this book into your hands. Again, it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere books are sold.